Welcome to City Limits. I'm Kevin. And I'm Ann. Ann, how are you doing out there? Doing okay. How are you doing? Beautiful uh, fall day. I think this is the, well, this is the first day I noticed fall because <laughs> it's cold in our house, which is weird. Yeah. Technically, it doesn't start until tomorrow, but. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes when it, it gets cold in our house, but you go outside and it's beautiful. It's yeah. Crazy. <laughs> um, so, Ian, mm-hmm. what would you like to talk about this week? Well, city council's back in session. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So things are going to start picking up, folks, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll have some more interesting stories. Are um, you saying our, in- our stories aren't interesting? <laughs> I think we see, do okay. Summer is tough for stories. <laughs> but, so it, you had your meeting, mm-hmm. um, and Anthony Andronico. Council uh, Andronico, yep. Had a resolution? No, he had a resolve. A resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Let me, this is from the Quincy Sun. Mm-hmm. Ward 2 Councilor Anthony Andronico wants an update from city officials on how the federal stimulus fund funds Quincy received early this year have been spent to date. And also wants the administration to gather public input to determine how the remaining money should be used. Well, that is a common thread throughout the city. Everywhere I go, that's what people are asking. Right. And I know we've reported on it too, Kevin. So I would, I, I, as I told Council Andronico tonight at the meeting, I applaud him and his efforts for putting this forward. And I look forward to it. And I asked that we don't let this be something that sits around in committee for long. So I'm looking for that to happen pretty soon. Right. So He is too, by the way. <laughs> he, so just to ground folks, Mayor Koch in March announced Quincy would be receiving $46.3 million from the American Rescue Plan Act. A $1.9 trillion federal bill signed into law earlier this month. Communities have until December 2024 to use their ARPA money on eligible initiatives. So it's ARPA or ARPA. Mm-hmm. And then in, in May, the mayor announced the city would be using portion of the city's ARPA money and part of the $10.7 million earmarked for Quincy College, uh, which was awarded separately from the fund's the city itself received to purchase the Monroe building and a nearby parking lot in Quincy Center for $15 million. Mm-hmm. And since then, he's also, your phone is driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> purchased a marina. Yes, purchased a marina. And, and an old rent-a-car on Furnace Brook. Mm-hmm. Yep. So so tonight when we had the city council meeting, I did bring that up because in his, in Councilor Andronico's um, resolve, he did mention the May 27th article in the Patriot Ledger. And I wanted him to know that I've been following that money. There has been money spent and acquisitions have happened. And actually, if you go in the GIS um, system for the city of Quincy, you can see that the Monroe building is now registered as owned by the city of Quincy. And the yeah. same thing for um, Pompeo Motors is now no longer owned by Pompeo Motors. The, the marina is owned by the city of Quincy as well yep. as the Burke building. And then he also, Councillor Andronico, the people of Quincy deserve an opportunity to provide direct input into how federal COVID-19 relief funds are spent. Mm-hmm. Although the mayor's office has final say on how these funds are allocated, I believe the administration should take the same steps followed by many other municipalities mm-hmm. that have a mayoral form of government and solicit input from residents. And those are both Democratic and Republican mayors of towns that are taking care of those things. Right. And then he noted Fall River, Lowell, Newton, Pittsfield, Springfield, Weymouth, and Worcester. So we did some research mm-hmm. and we have, this is from Newton, mm-hmm. or not Newton. <laughs> Newton. 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 Newton? Where are you from? (laughs) No idea. (laughs) Newton Mayor Ruth Ruth Ann Fuller is soliciting residents' input 
on how the city should distribute about $63 million in federal COVID-19 relief funds. Mm-hmm. Um, could, well, you, could you imagine actually having an administration that thinks it's, it's federal money that's coming in for your community that you'd want to know what the community might want? <laughs> yeah. Can I imagine that? I can. I, I can, can imagine that. Um, <laughs> I can imagine it too. It's too bad we don't have that. <laughs> uh, we really don't. Um, but Fuller said in her, her goal is to invest the one-time federal funds to seed initiatives that will help Newton residents and the city stabilize and recover from mm-hmm. the pandemic mm-hmm. and permanently become more resilient, more livable, more vibrant, more inclusive, and more sustainable, according to a statement. We will invest the money using the lens of equity, ensuring all geographic areas of Newton, all ages, all ethnicities, and all people are supported while we help those hurt by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then they held an online meeting Thursday, July. Mm-hmm. So, And then our neighbor to the south, Weymouth. Mm-hmm. Mayor Headland. Weymouth Mayor. Mm-hmm. Bob Headland, you're right. Mm-hmm. Wants to know how residents want to spend nearly $30 million in federal COVID-19 relief allocated to the community. An online survey posted on the Weymouth website has 23 choices and asks residents to pick five. The list includes road and sidewalk improvements. I think we need some of those, mm-hmm. Lindsay. Early education, public safety, access to the internet, affordable housing, and addressing food insecurity. Mm-hmm. Other options are housing assistant, assistance, climate change, and environment. Workforce development and support for students in the Weymouth Public Schools. The choices reflect the federal rules rules mm-hmm. <laughs> on how the money can be used, according to Ted Langle, Headland's chief of staff. And he said the survey had more than 350 responses as of August 10th. So, so what's interesting is that the rules are out there. And when um, this administration is talking about them, they say, we're well within the rules. But yet, he doesn't want to talk about the rules. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just to close this part, it's important to Mayor Headland that our residents help us prioritize mm-hmm. the funding so that it is so that it has the most positive impact in our community. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this is a this is an unfortunate situation where the administration has really taken a giant step to say, I don't need to, I can do what I want. They told us we could do what we want. And he doesn't want to solicit any information from the general public, the people who live here in the city of Quincy, or even the city council for that matter. So it's, you know, I'm, I, as I said, yeah, and you hear him saying a lot, like working together. Yeah. I mean, he, but that's clearly not what only he wants work, to do. Yeah, only working together when they get what they want. I can't help but keep saying this. The Monroe building, when brought before the city council, was going to be a note by the city council. And, you know, the administration pulled it and said he was going to use the federal money to do that. And he says it's within his rights to do, but yet everywhere you read, it does yeah. not say that it is. Right. And, you know, the definition is maybe it's economic development. I'm not sure. But, you know, putting a tourism office in the Monroe building and, you know, slapping a, it tourism. slapping a TV up there and calling it tourism and having it open from 10 to 4, Monday through Friday. Monday, it's not even open on the weekends when the tourists. Yeah. So all tourism's, you know, you have to come and tour Quincy Monday through Friday, 10 to 4. Yeah. So, and it's not to knock the person who's, who's running Discover Quincy. She's doing the best that she can, but this is really not putting a, it's not putting your best foot forward. You yeah. know, the investment that they put into that, that. This is kind of putting a mask on mm-hmm. something they're mm-hmm. trying to hide. For their, their own special interest is right. what it is. It's not trying to hide. It's, they're just putting something on there to say, oh yeah, this is for Quincy. You are, everybody should be happy. 
Well, I get ready to build my office. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to say on that? Subject? No, I think, I think, you know, for this one, I'm looking forward to them to come back because there's lots of money that's been spent. And, and quite honestly, we actually budget things in the budget for some of the things that they're spending it on. So I'll be interested to see what they're spending things on. Right. I know what they're spending it on, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the other big story last week was the uh, preliminary election for school committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was narrowed down to six. Correct. There were seven people on the ballot. It was narrowed down to six. Right. Yeah. So I have some numbers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tina Cahill topped the ballot with 2,330 votes, about 18.5%. Longtime school committee member Emily Lebo secured almost 18% with 2,216. Mm-hmm. She was the top vote getter among sitting school committee members. Courtney Pertios, who has been on the committee since January, earned um, 1,984 votes. Liberty Schaff mm-hmm. uh, came in at fourth with 15.3% of the votes with 1,915. Doug Gutrow, running for a second term, uh, came in fifth with 1,777 votes. And then Liz Speakman earned the final spot with 1,351 votes, or almost 11%. And Ellen O'Donnell, another political newcomer, didn't, she didn't make it. No, she didn't make so it. So that's too bad. Um, it's but. it's hard. I mean, the, a preliminary election with that, when you have seven people on the ballot, and it's usually, and the only thing that was on the ballot was school committees. So it's, it's hard to get people to come out on a beautiful day to vote. Um, they don't remember for whatever reasons. And school committees are very, very important. But Ellen did a fantastic job. And she should be very proud of the fact that she put her name on the ballot and she was, it's, it's a big city. Yeah, it's a big, I mean, a lot of people talk mm-hmm. and, and they don't do anything about it. And yeah. she did. So. She did. She came out and she put, a, she put, she put a good effort forward. And, you know, I think, you know, I hope that, you know, she'll come back and do it again at some yeah. point, but, you know, I just thank and her for, involved. yeah, I just thank her for putting herself out there and, and taking that. Cause it's, a, it's, a, it's hard to put yourself there. It's criticism that happens. People don't always agree with what you're saying. Yeah. So, but I thank her for doing that and, and then, her family for having, for supporting her in that yeah. too. And then this is the, the sad part. Roughly 5,100 mm-hmm. Quincy residents turned out to vote in the preliminary or only 8% of the city registered voters. And that's the reason why it's so hard. So yeah. only 8% of our registered voters came out on the preliminary. And although I, I congratulate all of, of everybody and and how they came in, but I'm hoping that for you know November 2nd, let's make that bigger because it, it does matter. Yeah, and, and research your candidates. Find out where they stand on issues. Don't just go by mm-hmm. name, popularity, and stuff. So no, so know where they know where they stand and know where they know no you know, make a phone call, talk to them. I talk to lots of people. Right. No. Yeah. If if they're serious, they'll answer your questions. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next story and was um, in the in the ledger. Mm-hmm. The staff of the shuttered Quincy Hospital unite to share memories and frustration. There was an article um, about the function. Mm-hmm. There was a picture. I think there's like 3,000 people. That's a lot. I don't think there was 3,000 people that worked at the hospital. <laughs> oh, okay. all right. So, there was be, a lot of people. You might be exaggerating. <laughs> there was a lot of people. Okay. And the Patriot Ledger, you know, met some people and, and talked to them about, about the hospital and their memories and and maybe some of what they think about the hospital closing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they went. They met a couple, Joe and Nancy Mahoney. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Mahoney was my dad. No, he was not. No relations to us at all. <laughs> no, but my dad's name was Joe Mahoney. But there are some some interesting quotes in here. Mm-hmm. I just want to read a couple. This is from Dr. Tom Fitzgerald. A lot of people who work there grew up in Quincy, 
was real. It was a real community hospital. Everybody that walked in the door was well taken care of. And then the loss of the hospital in a city of more than 100,000 has been a point of contention for many residents and was especially bitter for many who worked there. The heads of the city should never give should should have never given up on this. It never should have gone, never mind been torn down, mm -hmm. said Barbara Smith, a lifelong resident who worked at the hospital as the ward secretary from 1957 till 1983. Mm -hmm. um, and then this other quote, I can't believe they closed a hospital in a city of this size and they still don't have a hospital, said Mich Michelle Lachance of Quincy, who worked at the hospital for 24 years. It's despicable. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to say much, much of that, it goes on to give the, uh, the what's currently happened much of Much of the hospital building was torn down this year to make way for Ashland Park, a massive and controversial residential project approved in 2019. And then the one last quote here is is from Mon Maureen's, I'm going to butcher this name, Gigliano, who put the reunion together. She said she waited on having the reunion until the hospital was torn down and there was no chance of it coming back. She said she's looking to put together a committee to try and attract a new hospital to mm -hmm. So yeah, it's very sad because you know, it, it's nice to see that they all got together and, and they were able to do the reunion. But what I think was more disturbing to me, Kevin, is that there was a reverter on the hospital. And what that meant was that it should always, if the hospital hill where the hospital was, was always supposed to have something medical at that location. And Fox Rock came in and made a deal with the city of Quincy. And they said, you know, we'll put You know, originally the plan was we'll put an urgent care slash emergency room down in the Ross parking lot if we can do something else with the hospital location. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's kind of the deal that they made. And then when they came in for the LDA, they changed it and said, you know, a hospital won't work there, um, that they'll have medical offices there. There'll be no emergency room, but it'll be a medical office building that will come into the downtown. And that is what our plan was. And what they submitted for their 20 story building does not has medical use, maybe. <laughs> There's medical no medical. And what is really disturbing is that the reverter was kind of our negotiating tool. Once the reverter is released, you really can't do anything. The LDA, they signed it, the administration knows they signed it, and the reverter's been released, meaning the money, the $4,250,000, should be in the hands of the city of Quincy from Fox Rock. There is no medical office building. There's no lease to the medical office building. And there's and, no medical anchor. And there's no medical anchor. There's no promise of anything, what they promised just when a, they did it. Just a maybe to keep the people. Mm -hmm. people uh, so what's really disturbing is that, you know, this is, and I, I believe the, the reunion was paid for by Fox Rock, which is nice. But, you know, the thing is, is what we really wanted is we, we, we anticipated as, as a city of Quincy that we would be able to Um, we would be able to, to, to work with somebody and get something that was medical related down there. Right. And, you know, our city is over, over 100,000 people now with the new census, I think yeah. 106. So we went through the top 10 biggest communities in Massachusetts mm -hmm. to see if they had hospitals. Boston, of course, has multiple hospitals, mm -hmm. right? Worcester, the second biggest city, has UMass Memorial Medical Center and a recovery hospital. Springfield has Shriners Hospital for Children, Mercy Medical Center, and Bay State Medical Center. Cambridge has Spalding Hospital um, and Mount Auburn Hospital. Lowell has Lowell General Hospital. Brockton has Brockton Hospital, of course. New Bedford has St. Luke's Hospital. Fall River has St. Anne's Hospital. Lynn, maybe somewhat similar. I don't know. They don't have a hospital, but they do have Mass General Brigham's Health Center mm -hmm. that just came in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of what supposedly that was, kind of was going to go down in that. 
Something, yep, something very similar to what Lynn Howes was supposed to come down into. That was that was the original deal that Fox Rock was um, making with the administration that they were bringing. They had a big press release with them, and you know it didn't happen. It's not happening. I believe that location is over in Weymouth now. And the other thing that's happening is, um, and I just signed a letter for it, and, and encouraging and happy to hear that um, Children's Hospital is looking for locations, and I think it's Weymouth that they're looking at. They're not looking at Quincy. Yeah. You know, Fox Rock. Isn't isn't enticing them to come to Quincy? There are opportunities that could be coming here to Quincy, but you know, and I support Children's Hospital going out to the to the to the South Shore to support the South Shore residents that they don't have to go all the way in town if their child needs needs to to be seen at Children's Hospital. But quite honestly, it's really discouraging to see the. I feel as though we're being taken advantage of, really, Kevin. Promises are being made, and things are being switched out, and the administration seems to be okay with it, but yeah. the residents of the city of Quincy are not. Yes, we have a population over a hundred thousand and growing, mm-hmm. and we're we don't have a hospital. We're, of, of all the largest cities mm-hmm. in Massachusetts, we don't have a hospital, and you know, no real chance of getting a hospital. I don't think. No, but but it but more importantly, we 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 had what we thought was a relationship with the developer that was going to be bringing something to our downtown, and even that is weak at the very moment, and. It looks as though it's being, you know, it's being, it's been entertained by the planning board. There's no hospital lease. There's no, there's no commitment to it. We've waited this long because they said, you know, these things take time and now they don't have it. So, I mean, it's not right. And we should expect more from the people that we're working with in the downtown for development because an awful lot of money is going into the downtown. It's funny. So I I heard the mayor say, you know, back then we don't need a hospital because we have Boston right here. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, more than willing to let it go. And then with Quincy College, you know, he's fighting tooth and nails to keep that college or really build itself a city hall. The but co- the funny thing is there yeah. are tons of colleges in Boston too. The thing about that, sad about that is the cost that that will be to the taxpayers is unbelievable. Right. And, and, you know, 81% of those students do not go. They do not live in the city of Quincy. And even if they miraculously change that, Unless it's 100% and it won't be. It should never be built by the city of Quincy. It should be part of the state. And I'm just, yeah, uh, so, you know, it's just. So a city with would be five or seventh biggest city in, in, in Massachusetts, and we lost our hospital. And that happened under Tom Koch's watch. Mm-hmm. It did. It did. You know what time it is, right? I do. What time is it here? It's listener's mail. I didn't do I didn't do my job. <laughs> but we did get a handwritten letter. <laughs> you did. It was handwritten. We actually get handwritten letters. Mm-hmm. This is short though, but it's I have a feeling it's this is these are views that are shared by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I've listened to a number of your podcast episodes and while informative, they just tend to piss me off. See right about then I'm going, Oh God. <laughs> this is gonna be hate mail. I know. Our our first hate mail. It is. But then she goes on to say, they just tend to piss me off to hear my concerns echoed by so many other Quincy citizens. It's frustrating that with so many like-minded people, the poor leaders continue to be Mm reelected. If I didn't own a family home and live in House Neck, I would be long gone. Thank goodness for you and, and this is the important part, (laughs) and Kevin. (laughs) I never said you were important, Kevin. <laughs> I'm one, so glad we get to shine get, your. We can we get to shine your talent. <laughs> so I mean, very short, mm-hmm. but 
You're hearing that, right? No, I hear that at all the doors. When I'm knocking doors and I'm talking to people, people are frustrated. And it comes down to they're frustrated with the the lack of attention to the areas that I go into. All of the attention going into the downtown and not into their neighborhoods. Right. The lack of the roads. Even though we, we have a $100 million bond out there, they still feel like their, road's not in their, the road, their road is not on the list. Like, how do we get on the list? And... The frustration when it comes to just about everything that's happening in the city, the traffic that's happening in the city, the overdevelopment that's happening in the neighborhoods, the fact that, you know, their voices are not being heard by the administration when it comes to the American Recovery Act money that's coming into the city of Quincy. And the fact that this, the, the Quincy College is a big one, Kevin. People do not want us to build Quincy College. And if, if the administration was to listen, that is what they're saying overwhelmingly. They do not mind helping their kids go to college, but they do not want to pay for everybody else's kids. Right. And that makes sense to me. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So that does it for listener mail. Maybe we'll remind people this week. It's a lot of pressure on me. It's a lot of pressure on me. I just want to thank everybody at the doors because while I'm out knocking doors and I'm not sending out notes asking for listening mail, I get a lot of really good conversations. I have a lot of good conversations. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a Tales from the Trail, but not this this time. Mm-hmm. So we have one announcement, mm-hmm. the annual event that everybody seems to look forward to, Porch Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, a little different different uh, date this year because of COVID. Uh, Saturday, September 25th, 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. in the following neighborhoods, Marymount, Squanum, and Wollaston Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you, you want to check out some of the acts that are playing, um, there's too many for me to list. So uh, just head over to porchfestquincy.org. Mm-hmm. So that's this Saturday. That's so. this Saturday. And it's yeah. a lot of fun. I think the weather's supposed to be nice this Saturday, too. Yeah, hopefully. It's yeah. great weather. Mm-hmm. It's not too hot. I know. So it's a day like today. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for this weekend on... City Limits. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. See you soon. 